Blog Talk Radio.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We thank God for another Thursday morning. This week has gone by really fast for me. And uh, I thank God for it. I thank God for it because the weekend is quickly approaching. And uh, I just thank God for it. I wanted to come on before we have prayer this morning with a quick announcement. Those who bought um, cookie dough, I am checking on your order today to make sure uh, that you have received your order. And if you haven't, when you will receive it. So I want to make sure I do that first thing this morning. And uh, because Minister Shonda wrote me uh, last night and was asking about her order. So what I'm going to do is get right on top of this today. And thank you so much for everyone who bought cookie dough. I did it again to see if I could sell more, but this goes wild. I didn't sell any. But the Christmas cookie dough, we did sell um, some. So we thank God for that. We thank God for that. Listen, we're going on uh, with morning prayer and after morning prayer uh, today. We'll come back with one more song. And uh, this morning, we're going to take a listen to uh, Pastor Terry K. Anderson and his message is teaching on idolatry. So we want to take a listen to that. But let's go to prayer. My friends, imagine standing at a crossroads where every path seems shrouded in mystery and uncertainty. You feel the weight of choices, each path promising different outcomes and experiences. It's in such moments that the cry of our hearts echoes the plea of the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 133. Direct my steps by your word, and let no iniquity have dominion over me. This profound verse isn't just a request. It's an admission of our need for divine guidance in the maze of life. Now. If you believe that God can make a difference in your life today, let us stand together in faith. I will pray a fervent prayer with you in the mighty name of Jesus. So watch until the end and open your hearts to receive the blessings of this prayer. We live in a world where our steps can easily veer off into paths of distraction or danger. The choices we make the roads we take, the relationships we nurture, and the values we hold dear all require wisdom that transcends our limited understanding. In the Bible, the notion of steps often symbolizes our life's journey. It reminds us that life is not static, but a series of movements and decisions. And in this journey, we are not alone. We have a guide who promises to lead us through his word. Reflect on your life for a moment. Think about the times you felt lost, unsure of which direction to take. Remember the moments of decision, big or small, that shaped the course of your journey. At times, the way ahead may have seemed clear, illuminated by the light of your understanding. But how often have we found ourselves at a dead end, or worse, on a perilous path, simply because we trusted in our wisdom? This is why our hearts echo the psalmist's prayer. Guide my steps 
It's a prayer of humility, acknowledging that we don't have all the answers. It's a prayer of faith, trusting that God, who sees the end from the beginning, will guide us. It's a prayer of surrender, yielding our will and desires to his perfect plan. When we invite God to direct our steps, we are not giving up our freedom. Rather, we are exercising the highest form of freedom, choosing to walk in the light of his wisdom and love. Now, consider the second part of the verse, and let no iniquity have dominion over me. This is crucial. Our journey is not just about finding the right path, but also about walking in righteousness. It's a recognition that our choices are not morally neutral. They can lead us either towards or away from the path of integrity and purity. Asking God to guide our steps is also a plea for him to protect us from the influence of sin and wrongdoing that can so easily entangle us. In our journey through life, there are many voices clamoring for our attention. Voices of society, culture, personal ambition, and even our desires. These voices can sometimes drown out the still, small voice of God leading us astray. But when we earnestly seek God's guidance, He promises to lead us. As Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6 reminds us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. This is a promise of divine direction and intervention. But how does God guide us? He guides us through His Word, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, as Psalm 119 verse 105 declares. He guides us through the inner prompting of the Holy Spirit, who speaks to our hearts and minds, guiding us into all truth as affirmed in John 16 verse 13. He also guides us through wise counsel from others, through circumstances, and through the peace that comes from making decisions aligned with His will. Embracing God's guidance requires us to let go of our desire to control every aspect of our lives. It means trusting that even when the path seems uncertain or challenging, God is working out His perfect plan for us. It's about believing that He knows what is best for us and is capable of leading us to our destiny. This trust doesn't come easy, but it's a journey worth embarking on. As we navigate through the complexities of life, let us remember that our steps are ordered by the Lord, as Psalm 37 verse 23 tells us. When we commit our way to the Lord, He will establish our steps. This doesn't mean we won't face challenges or make mistakes but it does mean that we can rest in the assurance that God is with us every step of the way, guiding, correcting, and leading us towards His purpose for our lives. So, today, as we stand at the crossroads of life, let's make a conscious decision to ask God to guide our steps. Let's pray with sincerity and open our hearts to His leading and also be willing to follow wherever He guides. In doing so, 
we will find that our paths become clearer, our decisions wiser, and our lives more aligned with His perfect will. Now, to all those within the sound of my voice, let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me so that you can have all the blessings of this prayer. You may also listen to this prayer daily as you build your faith and come in agreement. Let us pray to our gracious and loving God. Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, I come before you with a heart full of praise. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who guides the stars and directs our steps. Your majesty and power are beyond our understanding, yet you care for us deeply. I thank you, Lord, for your unending love, your grace, and the countless blessings you bestow upon us each day. Your goodness and mercy follow us, and for this, I am eternally grateful. Thank you, Father, for the gift of life, for the air I breathe, and for the love I experience from you and those around me. In this moment of prayer, I humbly ask for your forgiveness for my sins. Forgive me, Lord, for the times I have strayed from your path. As I seek your forgiveness, I also forgive those who have wronged me, releasing any bitterness and resentment in my heart. Cleanse me, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Lord, as I step into this new day, I pray for divine direction in all that I do. Guide my thoughts, decisions, and actions according to your will. Help me to recognize your voice leading me and grant me the wisdom to understand the plans you have for me. May your word be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, illuminating every step I take. Protect me, O oh God, from missteps that lead away from your will. I rebuke any plans of the enemy to cause confusion or to lead me astray. In the name of Jesus, I declare that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Shield me from harm and keep me on the path of righteousness so that I may walk in your truth and integrity. Lord, I pray for strength and courage, especially in times of trial and uncertainty. When challenges arise, remind me that you are my rock and fortress. I declare in the name of Jesus that I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. In every difficult situation, grant me the fortitude to endure and the faith to trust in your unfailing love and power. I ask for clarity of purpose, O Lord. Reveal to me the unique path you have set for my life. Let my actions and choices reflect the calling you have placed upon me. In the name of Jesus, I declare that my life is aligned with your divine purpose, and I am walking in the destiny you have ordained for me. Gracious Lord, teach me obedience and surrender as I seek to understand your will. Help me to submit my will to yours, knowing that your plans are higher than mine. 
in every decision. Let me seek your face and follow your guidance. I bind any spirit of rebellion or pride in the name of Jesus, and I declare a heart that is receptive to your leading. Guide me in my relationships, Father. Bless my interactions with others and help me to build connections that honor you. I pray for wisdom in my dealings and for the ability to show your love and grace in all my relationships. I declare that my relationships are guided by your love and wisdom, bringing glory to your name. Grant me peace in decision-making, Lord. In moments of uncertainty, fill me with your tranquility, ensuring that my choices align with your will. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke any spirit of anxiety and confusion. I declare that in every decision, your peace reigns in my heart, guiding me to make choices that honor you. I pray for trust in your timing, Almighty God. Help me to be patient as I wait for your guidance, knowing that you make all things beautiful in your time. I rebuke any spirit of impatience or frustration in the name of Jesus. I declare that I will wait on you with faith and confidence, trusting in your perfect timing for every aspect of my life. Empower me with courage to follow your lead, Lord. Even when the path is unfamiliar or challenging, strengthen my resolve to walk in faith. I declare in the name of Jesus that I am fearless in pursuing the direction you have for me. I rebuke any spirit of fear or hesitation and claim boldness and confidence in following your call. I pray for my loved ones, Lord. May your blessings, guidance, and protection be upon them as well. Let them experience your love and grace in their lives. I declare that they too are walking in your divine purpose and are shielded by your mighty hand. Lord, as I say this prayer, together with everyone listening, I am grateful for every heart that is humbled before you right now. We come in agreement as we pray for each other, knowing that you are in our midst as you promised. We claim victory in your name, declare healing for those in need, and thank you for your protection and guidance. Together, we ask for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit to guide us and strengthen us in our daily walk with you. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering my prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, amen. If you were blessed by this prayer, type the word, amen, in the comment section below. I
Exodus at chapter number 32. And I want to read to us verses 1 through verse number 14. Exodus at chapter 32. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, 
we shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, be what not what is become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, This be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self, and said unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. Verse 14 reads, And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do to his people. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. I want to talk to us tonight from this thought or this subject, lessons from the golden calf. Lessons from the golden calf. The children of Israel had come to Egypt as the honored and privileged guests of Egypt's Pharaoh. They came to Egypt as honored and privileged guests. But the Bible says there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. 
And these people who had come as honored and privileged guests are now slaves in Pharaoh's Egypt. Every morning and every evening, they go out to the brick kilns in Egypt and they are subservient under brutal taskmasters, harsh conditions. The brutality of Egyptian slavery has worn them down. Their, their brows are sweating. Their bodies are bent and gnarled from labor. And they go to sleep every night on tear-stained pillows, crying, Lord, send us a deliverer. But while men are moaning, God is moving. Every night, bodies gnarled from labor, their backs are bent, their spirits are drooping within them, and they've cried for 400 years for God to send them a deliverer. God heard them. And Moses is born. Moses is born to Yoshebed and Amram. And he's born at a time when Pharaoh has decreed because the people of Israel, the Hebrews, are multiplying so quickly that Pharaoh has decreed that every firstborn male should be put to death. Moses is born when the edict goes out that the firstborn males should be put to death. Yoshebed and Amram notice that the Bible says Moses is a goodly child. God's hand is on Moses even at birth. And God arranges that while he is to be drowned in the Nile by Egyptian midwives, the same waters that are to drown him are the same waters that God uses to save him. His mother fashions a basket of bulrush and pitch, and every day she floats him in the very waters that were supposed to drown him. His sister Miriam goes out there every day while the basket is in the reeds of the river Nile. And the water that was supposed to drown him, God uses those waters to save him. One day God again arranges that Pharaoh's daughter would come down to the Nile to take a bath. Now bear in mind that there's running water in Pharaoh's house, hot and cold because of Egypt's advanced civilization. There's running water, hot and cold, from faucets in Egypt's palace, but God arranges for Pharaoh's daughter to take a bath. She comes down to the Nile to bathe, and at the right moment, God providentially shakes that basket, and that baby starts crying. He doesn't cry in Egyptian he just cries. He doesn't cry in Hebrew. He just cries. Pharaoh's daughter is moved and she wants to take the baby home. And God 
providentially arranges that, that Moses' sister Miriam is standing right there to ask Pharaoh's daughter, should I go find a nurse to nurse this baby? Pharaoh's daughter sends Moses' sister to come back with a nurse, and Miriam comes back with their own mother. And Moses is reared in the splendor of Egypt as the adopted grandson of Egypt's Pharaoh, but he nurses by the breast of his own mother. And his mother gets it over to him that even though you are up there with them, you are not one of them. Even though you are raised in Pharaoh's house, you are not an Egyptian. You are a Hebrew. She tells him the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I think the reason our young people are so messed up is because we're not telling them our stories. We're not reminding them of how God has brought us. How many doors God has opened for us. How many ways God has made for us. How many prayers God has answered for us. I wish you could have known my elders down in Louisiana where I was born. They were demeaned. They were degraded. Epithets of condescension hurled at them as if it were ordinary language. They were called nigger and gal, uncle and boy. My great-grandmother died one week before she turned 100 years old, and white children she raised called her by her first name. They had to get off the sidewalk when white people passed by. Every drinking fountain, every back door, every courtroom, every hospital, every act of legislation, every police authority said to them, you do not matter. They were nothing all the week long. Monday through Saturday they were cooks and chauffeurs, domestics and gardeners. They were nothing and nobody Monday through Saturday. But on Sunday morning, a strange dignity caught them, and a sense of grandeur overwhelmed them. And I heard them singing. They had wallpaper that was made of newspaper, but they sang over my head. I hear music in the air. There must be a God somewhere. And here we are with two cars in the garage and six-figure salaries, an opportunity that they never had. And God has brought us through a winding way. And we sit down in this church tonight and act like we don't know who God is. You've never opened your mouth since 7 o'clock. All the music this choir just rendered, you've never smiled, you've never clapped, you've never said, thank you, Jesus. But the Bible says, let everything, let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I, I, don't, need, I don't need no praise team to tell me to give God praise. I don't need no preacher telling me to open my mouth and praise God. When I look in the rearview mirror of my own life and see how many hills God has brought me over, how many storms God has brought me through, 
I wish I had a witness here. I know how good God has been to me. If I've got to praise God by myself, if I've got to thank God by myself, thank you. Hallelujah. You're up there with them. But you're not one of them. You're one of us. One day Moses saw a fellow Hebrew being abused by an Egyptian and he killed him and buried, buried his body in the sand. Some days later he saw some Hebrews quarreling and he tried to separate them and they said, are you going to kill us like you killed that soldier the other day? And now Moses is a fugitive from Egyptian justice. He has to run and hide from the ire of Pharaoh. But God demonstrates how Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody. And he spent the second 40 years of his life finding out he was nobody. But he spent the last 40 years of his life finding out how God can take nobody and make him somebody. 40 years in Pharaoh's house. Forty years in the Midian desert. He's 80 years old when he sees a bush on fire, but it's not being consumed. George Whitfield, the great British preacher of another generation, said there was fire over that bush, fire under that bush, fire in that bush, but no fire on that bush. It was burning, but it was no smoke. Fire, but no ashes. And Moses said, I have to draw near to see this unusual sight. And when he draws near, he hears the voice of God saying, Moses, Moses, take your shoes off. For the ground you stand on is holy ground. I need to tell somebody in Mount Zion tonight who's gotten beside yourself, when you come in this church, take your shoes off. I don't mean literally take your shoes off. I mean leave your ego in the car. Leave your supposed importance in the car. Leave your self-esteem in the car. Because there ain't nobody, nothing in here tonight but Jesus Christ. He is the center and the circumference. He is the subject and the verb of the Christian religion. The only star in this show tonight is Jesus Christ. God said, I've heard the cries of my people by reason of, my task, of their taskmasters, and I'm now ready to come down and deliver them. But I need you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And you know the story. Moses goes to Pharaoh, and nine times Pharaoh hardens his heart but the tenth time, God did it for him. God hardened his heart. And God told Moses to get all the Hebrews together and tell them that tonight the death angel is going to fly over. Tell them to get some unleavened bread and some bitter herbs. But tell them to sacrifice a lamb without spot or blemish. 
and sprinkled blood on the doorposts and on the lintels. For at midnight, the death angel will fly over in every house that has the threefold blood mark. When the death angel flies over, exemption will occur. And you are in Mount Zion tonight because the blood was sprinkled over your house. You're not here because you've been so holy. You're not here because you've been so good or so careful. You're here tonight because you're covered by the blood. The death angel flew over. Egyptians died that night. Moses and two million Jews got out of Egypt with a strong arm and an outstretched hand. They come to the Red Sea and the people cry to Moses and Moses cries to the Lord. And the Lord says, why are you crying to me? Use what you have in your hand. Moses stretches forth that rod. The sea opens six miles wide. And the children of Israel walk over on dry ground. God loves them so much, he won't even let them get their feet muddy. They go through the Red Sea on dry ground. And the same waters that opened for the Hebrews when Pharaoh's army tried closed on the Egyptians and their dead bodies and Pharaoh's army and his horses and his chariots washed up on the seashore. Moses' sister Miriam took the tambourine and sang a new song. God is a man of war. He's fought many battles. He's never lost one. And Jehovah is his name. Now listen how God again has a sense of humor. God takes an 80-year-old man with two million complaining Jews to take them on a journey of 90 miles that could have taken two weeks and ended up taking 40 years. An 80-year-old man with some complaining Jews, a journey of 90 miles that should have taken two weeks, it ended up taking 40 years. Before they get to the promised land, God brings them to Mount Sinai And God speaks to Moses, tells Moses to come up to the mountain. And Moses goes into the Shekinah cloud of Mount Sinai and leaves Aaron and the children of God down in the valley. And here's where chapter 32 happens. Moses is up in the mountains and the people are in the valley rebelling. There is a fierce rebellion. Because six weeks has passed since the blood dried on the doorpost. Six weeks away from the brick kilns in Egypt. Six weeks away from God opening the Red Sea. All God did for them six weeks ago, they already forgot about. It must have been some black people in that crowd. It had to be some brothers and sisters in that crowd. Because how soon we forget. Somebody ought to help me preach here tonight. 
You make God all kinds of promises of what you're going to do and how you're going to come to church and you're going to start going to Sunday school and you're going to start paying your tithes. And as soon as you get on your feet, I wish I had one or two witnesses here. You forget about the God that you say you love. Six weeks since God delivered them, they are in rebellion. And they come up to Aaron, and they said to Aaron, get up and make us a God we can see. Because this Moses, we, we don't know what happened to him. Now he just brought him. Moses just led him. But they said, this Moses, this Moses, this, they're just dismissing him. This Moses. We, we don't know what, what happened to him. Kind of like some members of our churches who we sow into their lives every week. Then T.D. Jakes come to town. Uh, or Joel Osteen come to town. And we get some rhema word. Some fresh anointing. See how quiet you're getting right there? Because this Daniel Simmons, we don't know what become of him. Moses just delivered them, and they forgot about the one who led them. And listen, the reason they forget is because their devotion is not to God. Their devotion is to Moses. And when Moses disappears, their faith dissipates. Because if your faith is wrapped up in a pastor, you'll never love the master. If your faith is tied up in Daniel Simmons, you can't shout if he ain't preaching. If your faith is wrapped up in a man, if you don't see his car at church on Sunday morning, you'll drive by. But my hope is built, I wish I had a witness, on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy, lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, not some pastor, on Christ, not some Sunday school teacher, on Christ. Not some choir director. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Their faith is wrapped up in Moses. And when Moses disappears in the mountain, the people are in rebellion. Listen to me, beloved. Aaron, who is Moses' second, has been wanting to be in charge. He's growing weary of sitting in the second chair, riding 
second chariot to Moses. He wants to shine. He wants to be the man. He wants to be in charge. And so they come to Aaron, and the scripture says they come and speak to Aaron, but, but the translation in the original is they come against Aaron. They come in a, in a crowd. They come as a gang. They come as some thugs. They come as some hoodlums and say to Aaron, get up from there. Come lead us. Make us a God that we can see. And Aaron, who's been wanting the spotlight. Aaron, who's been wanting to preach. Aaron, who's been trying to get the mic. Aaron, who's been trying to get in front of the people, acquiesces to their thuggish mentality. Hear me, children. There's something God puts in a leader that he never invests in a follower. There's something God gives Moses that he never puts in an Aaron. Aaron is weak and small, and God never puts power in the hands of small people. God never invests authority in the hands of weak people. Scripture says, be, be careful when you try to put a novice in a position of authority. You can take a little man and bring him to a big place like Mount Zion and he ain't going to stop till he bring it down to his size. Because there's something God puts in, an, in a Moses that he never puts in an error. That's true in the, in the church house where there are some people in positions that's too big for them. And they're not going to stop till they tear it up. If they don't run it, they're going to ruin it. Aaron is weak. And the people say, get up and make us a god. And Aaron gets up and he says, bring all your gold earrings. In. Take them from your wives and take them from your sons and daughters. Bring them to me. Bring all your gold that you have in your possession. Hear me. The gold that is in their possession is gold that God told them to take from Egypt for the building of the tabernacle. They took gold that was supposed to go in the tabernacle and built a golden calf. They wanted what the tabernacle represented, but they didn't want who the tabernacle represented. Y'all missed that. They wanted what the tabernacle represented, but they didn't want who the tabernacle represented. And that's just like people in our churches right now. They want what the church has to offer, but they don't want the Jesus Christ of the church. They want God, but they don't want to be committed. They want God, but they don't want to make any sacrifices. They want to come to church and, and, and have all the, the blessings that come from following God, but they don't want to be obedient. 
I, I don't know if this is going on in, in Georgia, but in Houston, that Lily Grove where I pastor, this, there's this new, this new thing going around in the city. I guess it's going around across the country, I suppose, where people who come in church now, they, they want to interview you before they join the church. Um, and they call and say, uh, I'd like to sit with Pastor Anderson. I'd like to, to interview him before my family and I decide to join the church. And uh, that's, that's foreign to me. I wasn't raised like that. But I, I, I let them come in, and, and they start uh, asking me, oh, what does the church have to offer? And I feel my pressure going up from my feet on all the way up <laughs> to my head. Because sometimes I'm a Christian and sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I feel like a saint. Most times I don't. And while they're talking, I can feel my blood going up to my head. And they want to know what kind of youth ministries we have and what kind of social outreach are we doing and what, what are you, and all that kind of foolishness. And I let them get it all out. And I say to them, now that's, that's wonderful, that's some great questions, thank you for coming, but what do you have to offer? Because the church is not in the world to pay your rent. Somebody ought to hear me tonight. The church is not in the world to make sure your light bill is paid. The church is not in the world to meet your felt needs. The church is in the world for the propagation of the gospel that Jesus Christ might be magnified in your life. And when you come to join a church, what do you bring to the table? What do you have to offer? Are you a witness? Are you a tither? Are you a giver? Are you coming here with your dedication to God? What do you bring to the body of Christ? See how quiet you got again. No, no, we come to church with this entertainment philosophy and this nightclub mentality that the church ought to entertain us and the church ought to meet our needs and we sit down with our arms folded the whole service and say, I didn't get nothing out of the sermon and the choir sing too long and it's, it's too hot in here and it's too much noise in here. The babies cry too much. I can't see. My seat is way up there. They won't let me sit down there. Oh Lord, when church gonna be over? I'm tired of all of that. How many songs they gonna sing? How long he gonna preach oh lord i'm hungry i'm sick i'm mad my back hurt sit down and shut up this is the day that the lord has made you ought to rejoice and be glad in it god didn't have to let you get up this morning uh, they, they rebel. And in their rebellion, God heard them. Be careful how you speak. Be careful of what you even let get in your mind. Because God hears you. If you really came here to worship, be careful who you sit by. Because not everybody came to worship. 
I wish I had somebody to help me hurry here. In the midst of their rebellion, God heard them. And God said, Moses, you need to get down there because your people, From southwest Georgia. Your people. Choir members at Shiloh. Your people. Deacons at Old Mount Zion. Your people. Stiff-necked folk at Mount Zion. Your people have corrupted themselves. God said, get down there and take care of that situation. But before you go, leave me alone. Don't bother me. I'm going to kill every one of them. I'm going to start all over with you. But brothers and sisters, in their rebellion, I want you to hear me. In their rebellion, before they know they need to be saved, God has already saved them. Because Moses, in their rebellion, goes before God with intercession. They, they don't know what God is getting ready to do to them. In their rebellion, he's already saved them. Because Moses interceded. Before they knew they needed to be saved, God already saved them. And there's somebody in here tonight can help me testify that when you were in a club, God had already saved you. And somebody asked you, what you doing in here? You don't belong in here. You are not one of us. You tried to act like them. You tried to carry on like them. But they noticed that something was different about you because God saved you before you even knew you would save yourself. And then sometimes other folk can see how God has saved you before you see it. They know God has a calling and God has his hand on your life before you recognize it. Before they are even aware of salvation, Moses is interceding for them. And listen to what Moses says to God. He says, God, nah, don't act like that. Don't do that. That's not like you. I know you're mad right now, but that ain't your, that ain't your nature. Don't call them my people. They're your people. You brought them out. You delivered them. You've been good to them. I know they're crazy. I know they deserve to die, but don't act like that. Don't carry on like that. Because the Egyptians are going to say you brought them out and you couldn't save them. Don't carry on like that. Because if you do that, your name is at stake. If you carry on like that, God, your reputation is on the line. Don't do that. Don't, 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 don't feel like that. I, I, know they, I know they ain't got no sense, but don't, don't do them like that. I know, I know you say they're my people, but they're really your people. 
uh, please God, don't don't act like that. Don't 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 even get that in your mind. God said, leave me alone. Don't intercede. I don't want to hear no intercession. I don't want to hear nothing. Leave me alone. I'm going to kill him and start over with you. I want you to see this simultaneous juxtaposition. Because while Aaron is in the valley, unable to restrain Israel, Moses is in the mountain restraining God. I need to say that one more time. While Aaron is in the valley, unable to restrain the people, Moses is on the mountain restraining God. Because there's something God puts in a Moses that he never puts in an Aaron. And that's something that Moses can do with God that Aaron will never have a chance. Moses is on the mountain restraining God. He said, God, don't act like that. Don't do that. Don't, 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 don't carry on like that. Because your name is on the line. Your reputation is at stake. And the Bible says, one of the most beautiful lines in Scripture, God repented. God repented. God changed his mind. Now listen, Moses didn't change God's mind. God let God's own self change his mind. God changes his mind because he wanted to save him in the first place. God repents because God is going to do right in the first place. I don't think I got that over to you. Let me see if I can make that make sense. Those of us who read the Bible will remember the story when uh, Joseph brought his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, to the deathbed of his old father, Israel. I wish I had a Bible reader. And the scripture says that Joseph put the oldest on the right hand and the youngest on the left hand. Because the blessings always went to the oldest who was on Israel's right hand. But when Israel got ready to bless them, because he was getting ready to die, the oldest was on his right and the youngest was on his left. The Bible says that Israel crossed his hands and blessed the second rather than the first. That's why you got to be born again. Because God can't bless your first man. He crosses his hands and blesses your second man. And you are in here tonight. All the dope you smoke, all the alcohol you drink, all the mess you got yourself in that you should have been caught, God just crossed his hands and gave you another chance. You ought to be in jail tonight. But he crossed his hand. You ought to be sleeping in your grave. He crossed his hands. You ought to have AIDS or you ought to be an alcoholic. All the unprotected sex you have, 
and God lets you live? He just crossed his hands. You ought to tell him thank you right now. Thank you for the stuff you kept me away from. Now there's somebody in here tonight. Your testimony. You ain't got no testimony about jail. You never been to jail. You never been on drugs. You never been carried away in a police car. You never shot up heroin. You never smoked crack or cocaine. That's not your testimony. And there are some persons here who's been through that. And God brought you through. But for the rest of us, salvation is not just what God brings you through, but what God keeps you from. He kept you from cocaine. He kept you from being the biggest fool in Albany, Georgia. He kept you from death and destruction because he crossed his hands. It should have been me. But on the cross at Calvary, he crossed his hands so that the cross, which is a sign in mathematics for plus, the cross becomes God's plus sign for my minus-minded humanity. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now, I wish I had a witness here, right now, in my seat, standing up on my feet, right now, I'm happy. I should be in my grave. I should be in the penitentiary. But he crossed his hand and changed his mind. I'm through now. But he told Moses, get down there. Because your people have corrupted themselves. And when Moses gets halfway down the mountain, he meets Joshua. And Moses said, I hear music and dancing. They must be partying like it's 1999. They're having a good time. They're doing a stanky leg down there. I hear music from the Cupid Shuffle. They're having a good time. Joshua said, no, it's not dancing you hear. It's not, it's not what you think it is. Moses thinks it's the noise of war. But Joshua said, no, they've corrupted themselves. And the scripture says, 
they sat down to eat and drink. But they rose up to pay. And brothers and sisters, when Moses got there, the very thing he restrained God from doing, he did himself. He got so angry with them because they are stiff-necked people. God brought them. God made a way for them. God had them walking in sandals that would not wear out. Clothes that would not wear out. When they got hungry, he sent manna from heaven. When they got thirsty, he, he sent sweet water from a rock. He provided for them. He became for them what he was for Abraham, Jehovah Jireh. The God who would provide. Moses got so angry because of their rebellion just after he just got through interceding that the tablets of stone that God gave him, he threw it at that golden calf, ground it into a powder, and made him drink it. He said, uh, Aaron, what, what have you done? Aaron said, they just brought me some gold. I threw it in the fire, and up comes this calf. That's something God puts in Moses that he never puts in Aaron. Because Aaron is too weak to lead people. And you'll never lead people if your ego is in the way. You'll never be all God wants you to be if everything is about you. You will never be all the Christian God wants you to be if your mind is always on the material and never on the spiritual. If you're always time-bound and never think about things of eternity. If you're always looking out for yourself and never think about anybody else. God will never use you greatly until he has hurt you deeply. Aaron said, they brought me some gold and I threw it in the fire and out come this calf. And Moses takes that, that, those tablets and throws it at that calf, grinds it into a powder, puts it in water, and makes them drink it. And I wondered about that. What, what is that making them drink it stuff about? The scriptures in, in the book of Numbers, the scripture talks about a woman whom her husband thought was committing adultery. And the law in the temple was... If you suspected your wife or your husband of committing adultery, you were to bring them to the temple or to the tabernacle, and they were to take dust from the floor of the tabernacle or the windowsill of the tabernacle. Read it in Numbers when you get home. Put it in the water. It's in Numbers 22. Put it in, the, in some water, and if they drink it and they get sick, they're guilty of what you accuse them of. And if they are not guilty... The one who made them drink it is going to get sick. Somebody ought to help me tonight. If God had a test tonight to get some dust off the floor of Mount Zion to see whether or not you are all the Christian you say you are, would you get sick? I wish I had my 730 crowd here tonight. If God were to test you to see if you are all that you say you are, what would happen in your testimony? 
He ground it into powder, poured it in some water, and made him drink it. And then Moses said, now who is on the Lord's side? I'm through now. But the tribe of Levi came and stood by Moses. And then Moses told the people, because you have committed this grievous sin, I'm going back up to the mountain. And peradventure, perhaps, I can ask God to have mercy on you. And then you know the story I'm through. Moses goes back up to the mountain. And he says, God, I know they're wrong. God, I know they've disappointed you, God. I know that they don't even deserve it. So if you're going to kill anybody, take me. Kill me in their place. Read the rest of chapter 32 when you get home. God, if, 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 you, if you're angry enough to destroy somebody, uh, don't do it to them. Block my name out of the book of life. Instead of taking them, take me. I'm through now. But God refused Moses' request. Because as much as Moses wanted to die for him, he wasn't worthy to die. As much as Moses wanted to give his life up for them, Moses was not a perfect sacrifice. God heard Moses' request. But God turned it down because he had another Moses who was going to come and die in their place. You don't help me close this, won't you? God could not take Abraham because Abraham lied and said Sarah was his sister when she was really his wife. I wish I had a Bible reader. God could not accept Moses because Moses got angry and struck the rock when God told him to speak to it. And God refused to let him go in the promised land because Moses himself disobeyed God. God couldn't accept David because David took another man's wife to bed and had that same man killed and lied about it for two years. But a prophet named Nathan came and raised his finger in King David's face and said, Oh, King, I got a little story to tell you. This man had all these lambs, and this one man had one ewe lamb. And he took that man's little ewe lamb, and he had all those other lambs. King, what you think ought to happen to that man? David said, I think he ought to be put to death. And Nathan said, oh, king, you are the man. And David, in penitent consciousness, wrote Psalm number 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercy. Blot out all my transgressions. Create in me a clean heart and renew within me the right spirit. Is there anybody here had to pray that prayer before? Is there anybody here felt so ashamed? Is there anybody here felt so low down that you had to get down on your knees and say, have mercy on me, O oh God. According to your loving kindness, 
according to the multitude of your tender mercy. God couldn't accept Solomon because Solomon had 700 wives and 300 women on the side. God couldn't accept Jonah because Jonah went to Nineveh. Well, I wish I had a witness here. God couldn't accept any of the judges, Samson or Jephthah. God could not accept Moses or David or Jeremiah or Ezekiel or Daniel or Hosea or Amos or Habakkuk or Zephaniah or Zechariah, Obadiah or Micah, Nahum nor Malachi, not even John the Baptist. But there was a man born in Bethlehem. There was a man reared in Nazareth. There was a man who healed the sick, who raised the dead, who made the lame walk. Y'all gonna help me call that name, won't you? There is a man who is able to save tonight. Is there anybody here who know who I'm talking about? He's Adam's redeemer. He's Abel's vindicator. He's Abraham's sacrifice. He's Noah's ark. He's Moses' bush on fire. He's Joshua's battle axe. He's Gideon's fleece. He's Samson's power. He's David's music. He's Solomon's wisdom. He's Jeremiah's bomb in Gilead. He's Ezekiel's wheel in the middle of a wheel. I haven't even called his name yet. And y'all about to shout all over this church. He's God's only son. He's Mary's baby boy. He's James and Jude's older brother. He's Matthew's king. He's Mark's suffering servant. He's Luke's great physician. He's John's word made flesh. He's Acts coming of the Holy Ghost. I haven't even called his name yet. And you about to shout all over Mount Zion. He's a rock in a weary land. He's a shelter in a time of storm. He's a friend when you're friendly. Bread when you're hungry. Water when you're thirsty. He died. Didn't he die? But early. Early. Sunday morning. He arose. Didn't he rise? With all power in his hand. If the Lord opened doors for you, help me praise his name. If the Lord made a way for you, help me praise his name. If the Lord answered your prayers, help me praise his name. Why don't you hug somebody? Why don't you grab somebody? Tell them you don't know like I know. You can't tell it like I can tell it. What the Lord, what the Lord, what the Lord, I know he's all right. And he's all right. Say yeah, yeah, yeah. I know he's all right. Yeah! 
He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me I am his own. And the joy, joy, joy. Do you have joy? Do you have joy? Why don't you do one more thing for me? Why don't you shake somebody's hand? Why don't you look at them in the eye? Tell them I don't look like what I've been through. I don't look like what I've been through. I don't look like what I've been through. He brought me. He kept me. He never left me. I know he's all right. Whether you are fully aware or not, you have placed something first in your life. Have you ever stopped to consider what occupies that prime spot in your heart and whether or not it truly deserves that honor? Today, I want to urge you to put God first in your life. Let us delve into God's Word to truly understand the profound impact of making Him the center of our lives. I am also going to pray a powerful prayer with you in the mighty name of Jesus. So watch until the end and open your hearts to receive the blessings of this prayer. Now consider this. Every decision, every action, and every thought reflects what we value most. The choices we make daily are a mirror to our soul's deepest desires and priorities. But you know what? We should always ensure that we put God first in all that we do. When we truly place Him at the forefront of our lives, we experience a transformation so profound that our lives will never be the same. Today, I want to share with you nine essential truths to keep in mind as we seek to ensure that we've put God first in our lives. As we discuss these nine truths, I pray that each one will resonate deeply within you, guiding your path closer to God's heart. Remember, a life centered around God is not just rewarding. It's the very essence of true fulfillment in your life. Number one, understand the ultimate priority. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This isn't a mere statement. It's a profound truth. 
Every day, life presents us with an array of choices. It's like being at a grand buffet with so many dishes to pick from. What do you prioritize? The world offers temporary pleasures, wealth, fame, luxury, and all the material stuff you can think of. But what does God offer? God offers himself, which covers everything. When we prioritize God, we aren't merely adding him to our list. We are placing him at the top. By aligning ourselves with God's purpose, our entire perspective shifts. Life's challenges, rather than appearing as insurmountable obstacles, become lessons. They evolve into opportunities for growth and self-discovery. And you know what's interesting? When we place God first, everything else falls into place. It's like that void we once had. It's filled, that deep emptiness within us. Like there's something missing, it's gone. Because when we place God first, we begin to find fulfillment in His love and purpose. It's one thing for me to tell you, but my friends, experiencing it for yourself is another thing. It's life-changing in a tangible way. Once you place God first and feel that fulfillment personally, no one can sway your conviction, just like no one can persuade me otherwise, because I've felt and seen the power of God at work in my own life and in the lives of others. And that's what makes the Daily Jesus devotional community so unique on this platform. We aren't here for superficial reasons. We are deeply committed to spreading the gospel and transforming lives because we've witnessed God's power firsthand. Our team members have all walked that path. And we invite you daily to join us on this life-changing journey towards a deeper connection with God and to live a victorious life. And here's something else to think about. Remember the story of Noah and the ark? God told Noah to build an enormous boat because a flood was coming. People laughed and thought Noah was silly, but Noah listened to God, put him first, and built the ark. When the flood came, Noah and his family were safe. Just like Noah, when we listen to God and put him first, we're protected and guided. Even when things get tough or confusing, having God as our top priority helps us stay strong, hopeful, and filled with peace. So, let's be like Noah and keep choosing God and putting him first. With God leading the way, our lives are always on the right track. Number two, there is the gravity of idolatry. As the book of Exodus warns us in chapter 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. On the surface, this may sound straightforward. Most of us might say, I don't worship idols, so this doesn't apply to me. But let's dig deeper. Idolatry isn't just about bowing to statues. It's about what occupies the throne of our heart. Is it money? Career? Relationships? Social status? Oftentimes, without even realizing it, these things take God's place in our lives. Every time we prioritize our desires, our fears, or the world's approval over God's voice, 
we place something else in his rightful position. Sometimes it may be unintentional, but that still doesn't change the reality. It's therefore essential to regularly examine our hearts and realign our priorities. By recognizing and dethroning these idols in our lives, we clear a path for God to take his rightful place. Let's think about the story of Jonah for a moment. Most of us are familiar with this story. Jonah tried to run from God's command, prioritizing his own feelings and fears over God's guidance. He ended up in the belly of a big fish. Yet, in that dark place, Jonah found clarity. He prayed and turned his heart back to God. And God, in his endless mercy, gave Jonah another chance. Just like Jonah, we too can find ourselves in tricky situations when we let other things take the place of God in our lives. But the beautiful thing is that God always gives us a way back. If we take a moment, refocus, and push aside the idols that have crept into our lives, we can begin to experience the joy and peace that comes from truly putting God first. Our God is faithful and full of mercy. After all, as Psalm 37 verse 4 reminds us, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. This Bible verse offers us a promise worth holding on to. Number three, know about the transformative power of divine guidance. Proverbs beautifully echoes this in chapter 3 verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean, not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. This isn't mere advice. It's a life principle. In our journey through life, we often come across crossroads, moments of uncertainty, and periods of darkness. We all do. It's in these moments that our human understanding feels woefully inadequate. But there's a promise awaiting us. We are promised of God's divine guidance. When we fully trust in God and acknowledge Him, He doesn't just enlighten our path. He leads us by the hand. This guidance isn't about merely avoiding pitfalls. It's about being directed towards a life of abundance and purpose. It's about embracing a journey where every turn, every twist, and every pause has divine intent behind it. Reflecting on the story of David and Goliath offers profound insight into divine guidance. As a young shepherd boy, David faced the towering giant, Goliath. By human understanding, David had no chance. He was not a trained soldier, and he did not have the size or strength of Goliath. But David wasn't relying on his own understanding. He trusted in the Lord. In the book of 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, with a simple sling and five smooth stones, he confronted the giant, saying, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. With God's guidance, David defeated Goliath and demonstrated that divine guidance and trust in the Lord could overcome even the most insurmountable challenges. This story encourages us to remember that when we trust in God's guidance, when we put God first, we can face our giants, no matter how big they seem. 
God is always ready to guide us, making our paths straight and leading us to victory. Number four, reordering our priorities is crucial. In Luke 10 verses 41 to 42, we find a lesson on priorities. When Jesus told Martha, 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 you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. He was pointing out the essence of priorities. Life is bustling, filled with tasks, responsibilities and distractions. In the midst of this, it's easy to forget the most crucial aspect, our spiritual well-being. The dishes will always be there. The laundry will pile up again and the emails will keep coming. But the moments that we spend at the feet of Jesus, those are irreplaceable. It's a lesson for all of us. While we shouldn't neglect our chores and responsibilities, it's vital to ensure they don't overshadow our relationship with God. By regularly reordering our priorities, we ensure a balanced, fulfilling life where both spiritual and worldly responsibilities are harmoniously balanced. Taking a leaf from the book of Psalms, we are reminded in Psalm 46 verse 10, Be still and know that I am God in our fast-paced world. Stillness is often overlooked, yet it's in these quiet moments that we can genuinely connect with God and hear His voice. Think of the story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. After witnessing powerful events like fire and earthquake, God's voice came to him, not in the grand spectacles, but in a gentle whisper. This emphasizes the importance of quiet moments away from the clatter and clamor of daily life. By making time for God in our busy schedules, by being still and listening, we give Him the space to speak to our hearts and guide us. This doesn't mean quitting our jobs or abandoning our chores. It means setting aside purposeful moments each day, even if it's just a few minutes to sit in His presence. And as we do, our priorities naturally find their rightful order with God at the center. Number five, the joy of a God-centered life. Psalm 16 verse 11 states, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. How beautiful is that promise. The world offers pleasures. Yes, but they are temporary. They are like bursts of flavor that quickly fade away. God's joy, on the other hand, is eternal. It sustains, strengthens, and renews. A God-centered life is similar to dwelling in a perpetual spring. Even in the midst of challenges, there's an underlying current of joy. This joy isn't rooted in circumstances, but in a deep-seated relationship with the Creator. With God at the center, life becomes an exciting journey, filled with wonder, adventure, and profound joy. Reflecting on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we see Him proclaiming in Matthew 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This purity of heart translates to a life free from the entanglements of worldly distractions and temptations, a heart devoted solely to God. Such a heart sees God, not just in grand miracles, 
but in everyday moments, the smile of a child, the beauty of a sunset, or the kindness of a stranger, a God-centered life brings clarity. Like the clear waters of a still pond, everything becomes a reflection of God's love and goodness. Every experience, good or bad, is an opportunity to draw closer to Him. And in this closeness, in this intimacy with the divine, we find the deepest and most enduring joy. It's a joy that goes beyond mere happiness. It's a joy that resonates in the depths of one's soul, regardless of what's happening around us. Number six, be confident about God's provision and promise. The promise in Philippians 4 verse 19 is a beacon of hope. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When we prioritize God, it doesn't mean forsaking our needs, desires, or dreams. Rather, it's entrusting them to someone who knows us better than we know ourselves. God's provision isn't about just fulfilling our needs. It's about exceeding them. It's not about giving us what we want, but what we truly need. Imagine a loving father looking at his child. He doesn't just provide for the child's basic needs, but delights in giving gifts, surprises, and blessings. That's how God views us. By placing him first, we tap into an infinite reservoir of blessings that flow from his throne. Number seven, know the outcome of a divided heart. James 1 verses 6 to 8 cautions. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Duality is a challenge. Trying to balance between God and the world creates instability, like trying to stand on two boats, drifting in opposite directions. By serving two masters, we become spiritually lukewarm, neither here nor there. But by giving God our undivided heart, we find solidity, stability, and purpose. Our choices become clear, our path becomes defined, and our destiny becomes aligned with His perfect will. Number 8. Understand Life's True Purpose Have you ever grappled with the whole thought of why you are here? Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13 sums up the essence of our existence, and it says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Amidst the noise of the world, it's easy to lose sight of our true purpose. Are we here just to live, earn, spend, and then fade away? Or is there a higher purpose to our lives, a divine calling? By honoring God and following His commandments, we align ourselves with this higher purpose. Life, then, isn't just about living. It's about thriving. It's about making a difference, touching lives, and leaving a legacy of faith, hope, and love. Embracing this truth brings clarity to our journey in life and adds meaning to every step we take. So remember, we are here to fear God and keep His commandments. And to do this, we have to put God first. 
Number nine, know about the unmatched reward. Jesus made a profound promise in Mark 10, verses 29 to 30. And Jesus answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake, and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time. Houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. So this isn't a transactional relationship. It's a covenant. When we prioritize God, the rewards aren't just spiritual. They manifest in our everyday lives. We will notice that blessings, favor, open doors, and divine connections become a part of our daily experiences. Above all, the promise of eternal life awaits us. It's an eternity, not just of existence, but of joy, love, and unparalleled communion with God. And does this mean that we won't ever face opposition, discrimination, or persecution because of our faith? No, it doesn't mean that either. Jesus consistently taught that following him might lead to suffering, and this scripture also underscores that message. However, amidst these challenges, when we put God first, we are also assured of victory through Christ, who strengthens and uplifts us in every trial. In other words, the enemy won't have the final say. God does. Let us look again at the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. After squandering his inheritance and living a life away from his father, the son decides to return home, expecting rebuke. He is instead met with an overwhelming embrace and celebration from his father. This story illustrates God's grace and the unmatched reward awaiting those who return to him. Just like the father who throws a grand celebration for his returned son, God celebrates each of us. The reward is not based on our worthiness, but on his boundless love. Know that every sacrifice made, every challenge faced in the name of faith, is recognized and rewarded by God. And beyond the material and tangible, there lies the profound peace and joy of knowing we are cherished and valued. The rewards God offers aren't just for a moment. They echo into eternity, shaping our existence beyond this life. Now, in Revelation 3 verse 20, God extends an open invitation saying, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. This isn't about a distant God up in the heavens. It's about a loving Father at our doorstep, waiting to be invited in. It's up to us to make that choice, to open our hearts and let Him reign supreme in our lives. Consider this. The beauty of the gospel lies in its power to transform. When we embrace these truths and place God at the pinnacle of our priorities, our lives experience a profound transformation. So if you believe that you have placed God first in your life and there is no positive transformation, you need to do some introspection and ask for God's guidance 
and always remember to be patient and trust God's timing. By making God our utmost priority, we move from merely going through the motions to living with purpose and intent. And those challenges we encounter, they evolve into opportunities for growth. As for the blessings, expect them to manifest as daily miracles in your life. The promise is clear. Put God first in your life and your life will undoubtedly never be the same. Now, to all those within the sound of my voice, let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me so that you can have all the blessings of this prayer. Let us pray to our gracious and loving God, everlasting Father, almighty God. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end the creator of heaven and earth. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Lord, I am grateful for your faithful promises, your amazing grace, your everlasting love, and your mercies that endures forevermore. Lord, I thank you for the gift of life. And I thank you for the many blessings you have given to me. Father, I humbly approach your throne of grace, acknowledging my sins, my mistakes, and my shortcomings. Forgive me of my trespasses, as I also forgive all those who have trespassed against me. Lord, forgive me for the times I've placed other things above you. For moments, I've let the pleasures of this world distract me from your eternal promises. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare that every chain of idolatry and distraction in my life is broken, and I rebuke every spirit of confusion and worldly temptation that tries to pull me away from your presence by the authority of the blood of Jesus. I claim emotional, physical, and spiritual healing over every part of my being, I declare in the name of Jesus that the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead flows through my veins, revitalizing and renewing my spirit, mind, and body. Merciful Father, I pray for divine protection over my life and the life of my loved ones. Lord, I ask that you command your mighty angels to stand guard around us, shielding us from all harm or evil. Father, you are our provider, and I ask for your abundant blessings to overflow in our lives. May you guide our paths and draw us closer to you. Lord, help us to prioritize you above all things and experience the fullness of joy that only you can give. Father, as I say this prayer, together with everyone listening, I thank you for each heart that is humbled before you right now. For those who are feeling lost, may you be their saving grace and guiding light. For those who are burdened, may your Holy Spirit be their comforter and grant them peace. For those struggling with their priorities, may you grant them the conviction to put you first and the discernment to choose what truly matters. And for those in need of your touch, may you bring them healing, vitality, and restoration. Heavenly Father, 
We come into agreement as a faith-filled community, and we thank you for the rewards and benefits you have promised us. In your word, we ask for the strength and wisdom to always seek your kingdom first, to reorder our priorities, and to embrace the joy and transformation that comes from your divine guidance. Lord, I thank you for hearing and answering my prayer. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray, Amen. If you were blessed by this message, type the word Amen in the comment section below. I declare that all the blessings of this prayer are now upon you. In the name of Jesus, you can help us to reach more persons and spread the gospel. You can do this by sharing the video with a friend or family member who you know needs the blessing of this prayer and by clicking the like button. Also remember to subscribe to the channel for more videos that will bless your heart and uplift your spirit. We appreciate all those who support us. You're blessed to be a blessing. If you have received this prayer and you feel convicted in your heart to take an extra leap of faith, I invite you to say this prayer that you've just prayed for the next seven consecutive days right here on our channel. By praying for the next seven days, you'll amplify your faith and your connection with God. Reinforce God's promises in your heart and ignite divine breakthroughs in your life. On this note, we're delighted to share that many of those who are a part of our Daily Jesus devotional community have been coming forward with some truly touching and inspiring testimonies. Many have experienced God's abundant blessings, breakthroughs, and favor after taking part in our previous seven-day faith-filled challenges. People's lives are changing, and we humbly give God thanks, and we give Him all the glory. And so, we've been encouraged to facilitate even more of these faith-filled challenges. We warmly invite you to visit our channel and commit to saying this prayer that you've prayed today for the next seven consecutive days and watch God work in your life. These are anointed prayers of faith, and so we ask that you open your hearts and expect to see God's mighty hand work wonders in your life. And as you experience His blessings, we would like to hear from you. So don't forget to share your testimonies with
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a message this morning. Idolatry. Pastor Terry K. Anderson. And I tell you, we got to be careful. We got to be careful because we'll be doing some things against God and not even knowing. So we have to watch as well as pray. We have to be careful of the things that we do. Yeah. We got to seek him with our whole heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. Trust him. Yeah. Acknowledge him in all our ways. It's him that will direct our path. But we have to ask for direction. God is not just going to force himself on you. But if you truly want the ways of God and you want God to lead in your life, he's the God of your life. You give him the first, uh, the the 10% of everything concerning your life. Yeah, everything, your children, your money, everything about you, it should be God first. Yeah. Uh, Neighbors should know. Everybody should know that God is first in your life. Uh Uh-huh. And he means so much to you. And people, you don't have to tell nobody, hey, I'm saved. Hey, I'm this, I'm that. I don't have to tell nobody nothing. Many times people tell me. I've gone in the store, and when I got ready to leave, the cashier said, God bless you. I never said that. I never told the cashier, hey, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I'm in God. I never said a word. I've spoken to people over the phone, and when they got ready to end the phone call, they said, God bless you. I'm like, because you know you can't do that today. They don't allow you to say nothing about God on the job. So a lot of these people, they know. Sometimes it's from the voice. I had a lady to tell me one day, she said, that voice is just so anointed. Now, I don't hear that, and I don't feel that. But because of my life is hid in him, he's the God of my life. Basically, he's my everything, because without him, I can do nothing. I need him to speak. I need him to move. I need him to hear and see, and not just spiritually, but naturally. And he provides all of this. He made this body a certain kind of way to do certain kind of things. And the scripture even tells us, because of him, we have our being. We have life. We have a, a health strength. Yeah. I can remember when I could pick up a 50-pound sack of potatoes. If I put my mind to it, I might still could. Don't know. I don't have to pick up potatoes. <laughs> but I could remember, I, 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 I didn't think I could lift 5 pounds or 10 pounds, but God showed me you can lift 50 if you need to. And it made me remember I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But I got to do it through him. I got to pray that prayer of faith. Help me to trust you with all my heart and lean not to my own understanding. Father, in all my ways, help me to acknowledge you. You're going to direct my path. Help me not to be wise in my own eyes. But help me, Lord, to fear you and depart from evil. Because a lot of times we think we know what the outcome of something is going to be because we lean into our own understanding. Well, if I don't pay my phone bill by the 16th, they're going to turn it off. No, they're not. 
Not if you prayed the prayer of faith and you told God about it, Lord, you know, I don't have the money. And the 16th, I won't have the money to the 27th. I'm two months behind in the phone bill, God, you already know. But I need you to move for me. Yeah, now you mean that. You've been serving him, you've been obeying him, you're walking upright in him. He's your all in all. If an unexpected check have to come through the mail, he'll do it. If he have to put the money on the ground, he'll do it. Whatever way he feels necessary to get the blessings to you, this is what he will do. But when we lean to our own understanding and we tell ourselves what it's going to be, it's not a whole lot he can do. You're speaking what it's going to be. Yeah. The day I speak, I shall live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. I'm going to still be here so I can still work the vineyard. Not just to be here because I don't want to die. Not just to be here so I can accumulate more stuff and things, but to declare the works of him so that I can be here 7 a.m. in the morning, so that I can carry somebody a plate of food, so that I could take somebody to and from somewhere, whatever he would have me to do. That's why I'm still here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm here so that I can encourage somebody along the way. Yeah, I can tell somebody about the goodness of the Lord. Yeah, I want the log cabin so I can completely retire, but I want the new truck as well. But that's not why I'm still here. To get stuff and things. Yeah, I still want money to bless others. Yeah, buy somebody a house, buy somebody a car, put somebody a child through college. Make sure somebody gets some dentures. Make sure somebody gets some eyeglasses. Oh, the list is endless. I'm still here for these reasons. Somebody needs groceries. Because when we obey him, the blessings overtake us. So today I'm able to bless somebody with food. Yeah, if you locally, I can bring you some food today. Because he has given me an abundance so that I can bless others. Somebody was asking me yesterday for dessert. Well, what you got? I said, I don't have no cake, but I have pie. What kind of pie? Sweet potato pie. Where I said in the freezer. Yeah, homemade from scratch. So that somebody else can be blessed. Not just me. And I need to clean out things more often because I have what they call a deep freezer and a freeze on the refrigerator. I bought the deep freezer because stuff was coming in so fast. I'm to my fresh food from the store. Yes, not from the food bank. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Because if that's all you have, that's all you have. And if that's all you have to give, that's all you have to give. But God knows the very intent of my heart. And he knows I don't like giving used clothes, used shoes. I like to give new something no one else had on. But many times to recycle and not be wasteful, God will open these doors. And there's nothing wrong with it because those are doors he opened. 
I'm here so I can answer questions. Somebody may call me and ask me a question. And it's pertaining to the things of God. I'm still here for that reason. I haven't died because I yet got to be here and declare his works, not my own. It's not about Bob, but it is all about Jesus. Hallelujah. And his father, Jehovah. Oh, we thank him this morning. We thank him. Listen, the studio is open. If anyone has something they would like to say, um, please feel free and press that number one and come in this morning and uh, share with us today. We're grateful. We're grateful unto him. I thank God for the people who say, oh, you faithful. You know, I can go away for months, and when I come back, you still there. Yeah, yeah, because this is my job. Yeah, this is my job, and so I'm going to be here. I looked in, and I saw one person in the studio, and I was Sister Rita. Matter of fact, good morning, Sister Rita. God bless you. And I was like, what is going on here? But guess what? Even if it's for one person, I am going to be here as long as he says so. Now, if he says stop, turn it off, no more, that's the end of it. But until he says that, I am going to work unto him. Yeah. Because when I tell you the pay is great, I've never known a company to pay like this. Or a, a, a business, <laughs> which is not a business, but I've never seen benefits, I should say, like this. Yeah, when I worked in Alaska, they believe in paying you. Now, they, they're not going to work you and not pay you. And some of the pay, uh, you'll do the same thing here. But that pay, is, it, it, it appears to be at least five times more, sometimes ten times more. But I've never seen the benefits or pay like you get for working unto the Lord. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> Listen, when you work under him, there are very few days you're going to be sick. Now, if you expose yourself to some stuff, it's cold, and you out there in the cold and playing around, and okay. You're not dressing properly to protect yourself, okay. Some things the enemy will uh, show you that's not really true. The enemy will tell you you got this and you need to do that, and you'll stop feeling that thing. But you go to God in prayer for healing for yourself. Believe in him and watch what happens. Lord, I'm tired of this medication. I want to get off of it. He'll bring you off. They had me taking all kind of stuff at one point. And the Lord spoke to me, take no more. I said, I'm not taking no more. And I didn't. And what happened? I saw my healing. I didn't need it. He's faithful to us. But we must learn to be faithful unto him. Yeah, be faithful unto him. Even throughout eternity, he'll give us a crown of life. That would never fade away. He's almighty God that have all power. Think on that. All power. And today I've learned to let things go. Leave it alone. 
pray about it and leave it alone. Try not to even think on it no more. And I see the work of the Lord. Just day before yesterday, I was up in the air about something in the garage talking to him. Prayed the prayer of faith and came on in the house, forgot all about it. And all of a sudden, it was worked out. I said, look at this. I mean, in a few minutes. Because I didn't linger with it. I didn't carry with it. I didn't keep holding on to it. I didn't keep thinking of it, keep talking to him about it. He heard me the first time. The very first time I told him about what was going on, he heard it. And then he fixed it quickly. I needed it fixed that quick. Because a lot of times God do things so that we don't err, so that we don't make a mistake. Because he knows if this continues on, you're going to mess up. But if he fixed this, then you will continue on to walk up right before him. And we must walk up right before him daily. It can be part-time, sometime, maybe I should. You know, I really could. No, you got to do it. Take a well-made-up mind. And we keep going in Jesus. But there's none like him. Look back many days at what he has done for you. Look at the cross, what he did. Hung on it. Suffered. He suffered before he got to the cross. All of this was for us, not for him. He was the son of God. He did no wrong. That you can find sin in him. But us, there's plenty. Yeah. I heard Pastor uh, Terry K. Anderson say this morning. <laughs> Sometimes he don't feel like a Christian. <laughs> It reminds me, you remember the uh, <clears throat> the almond joy and the mound? Sometimes I feel like a nut and sometimes I don't. He said sometimes he feels like a Christian and sometimes he don't. Yeah, I can relate. And I'm sure many times he has gotten angry. May have said something or did something. When the scripture says be angry but sin not, it, it's no telling what it was. Maybe it was his, but he's just telling the truth about him, his human side, and his spiritual side. And I'm sure we all have that. We all have that. Yeah. But we thank God this morning we want to be more spiritual than natural. We are more spiritual than carnal. I like to see uh, entertainment. And I've been watching some entertaining things, but every day after I'm cutting short, I'm cutting, getting lower and lower with the entertainment watching. I'm cutting it, yeah, out. Because the time that I'm watching entertaining things, I could be in the Word. I could be in prayer. Not that I can't watch and pray, but I'd like to give my undivided attention to the spiritual things of Almighty God. After all, he's a spirit. Yeah. And not only must we worship him in spirit and in truth, we must walk in him in spirit and in truth. Walk according to his word. We got to watch as well as pray and be careful. Hallelujah. Yeah. Give him our undivided attention. He's so worthy this morning. I often say he's more than worthy. He's done so much for us. Hallelujah. And we want to show him love because truly he's worthy. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. Uh, yeah. So listen, I'm going to one more song of the morning, and uh, this is the last song of the morning. And when I come back, we're going to pray out, and we pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, for another episode of Jesus in the Morning. And remember, if you uh, bought cookie dough and you have not received it, I'm contacting them today. And I already wrote the guy who signed me up to ask him to give me dates on every sale when it will be delivered if it has not been delivered. Yeah, I don't like the slowness of things like that because we started this way before Christmas, a few weeks before Christmas. And it's going on like the third week in January. And I'm sure everyone should uh, should or should have had their cookie dough delivered. Yeah, so I'm checking on that today. Also, um, I got a call back to Verizon and a couple of more cell phone companies because I want to know what's up with the penny a minute thing. Yeah, the show is free. These people pay their phone bill every month. Some people have unlimited. So how are you going to charge me a penny a minute to listen to whatever I want to listen to on the phone that I paid for the bill every month. The phone is paid for, my bill is paid up. What What's going on? Yeah. So I'm calling to find those things out, and hopefully by Friday I have some good answers um, for you. Also, we are praying and hoping for a guest to come this week. And uh, I wrote him back this morning, but I got to see what he said. And Well, he wanted to come, so... Uh, I just got to see what day he's willing to come. And so we'll have a guest speaker. Also, I met a young man over in LinkedIn. Uh, that had to be Tuesday night. And a Tuesday before day, something way in there. But anyway, he had a question about why don't we see more about luxury cars in India? And that was a good question. It, it reminded me, I went to the Bahamas on a cruise. And there were a lot of cars when I went to take the tour of the island. There were a lot of cars I had never saw before. So there was a Christian brother, Brother Craig. He was the a tour guy and the driver. And so I said, well, Brother Craig, that's a cute little car right there. Why can't I have it in America? He said, uh... Susan Barbara, he said, what happens is this, it didn't pass inspections. And if it's not a car that can pass inspections, the United States won't allow it. I was like, well, get it on over there and fix it. <laughs> he said, it's not that easy. Yeah. But I saw quite a few things I would like to have had here, but it only could be there. Yeah. But uh, we tell God, thank you. And, uh, we give him glory again this morning, honor and praise. We always want to do that. Never leave him out. And it will be all right in Jesus' name. All right, Brother Anthony, I'm coming at you right now. Good morning, sir. God bless you. How are you? Yes, hello, favor. Good morning to you, Ms. Bob. Good morning to everybody. Just first of all, I want to give God thanks for waking me up this morning. Thank God for life, health, and strength, keeping me in my right mind, allowing me to see another day I've never seen before. <clears throat> Thank God for the Active my limbs, and I thank God for who He is to me, what He's doing in me, where He brought me from, where He's taking me at, 
and just bless again to be here and bless to hear y'all voice and y'all pray y'all bless to hear minds and just just pray that we have a blessed day today and that y'all keep me in prayer and I keep y'all in prayer as well and just trying to get on to work this morning this this icy weather out here being snowing for about seven days out this way so we got a whole lot of snow so. Road conditions a little bit different. I need to get me a four-wheel drive or rent me a four-wheel drive for a month to sit there. But for the most part, you know, I'm blessed to hear this Jeep I got is, is doing the trick. But I know that four-wheel drive will be a lot better. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, look, seven days straight. So, uh, what do you remember? What each day the amount of the snow? How many inches each day? Well, well I say seven days, but it, it probably more like four days. It might have like two days. It might have snowed, but it probably snowed for maybe a uh, five or six hours or something like that. But it would be light in the beginning, and then as a you know hours mm-hmm. progress and it get later, it would get heavy. You know, it was one all day. I know it started snowing. And it was it was light, and about 15 minutes after I, you know, was looking at it, and oh, uh, so it got so so come start coming down so heavy, you barely can see outside. And they just wow. piled up, but it's, I know it got at least about oh uh, six seven inches. I'd say. Okay. Somewhere, probably more than it. Okay. Yeah, I remember those days where Anthony, I remember uh, looking out the window in the morning <laughs> and it was snowing and I had to get on out there and get on to the job. Yep. And I would Man. turn on my auto start and I let my van warm up and I would lay on my clothes, my socks, my boots, and uh, I would head on to my van and get on to work and... Uh, when I get to work, I would park as close as possible to the door. So all I had to do was get out my van and walk in the building. And once I got in the building, it was nice and warm, so I started unlayering, you know, so I could work comfortable. But I remember them days, and then, I, I, I like you, we it would be just lightly falling, lightly falling, but every, every drop of snow stuck. Nothing fell and melted, you know, so it piled mm-hmm. up. Here um, in Jacksonville, I remember one year it snowed. Not it's, it's been a while though; it's been quite a while. But it snowed, and I was surprised that the snow stayed as long as it did. At first, when it started, it would the, the flakes would drop and melt. Then they started dropping faster, so it started you know stacking up. So we probably got about an inch or two of snow. And you can see it all on the houses, all on the car. In Florida, I was floored. I was like, it's snowing here. This is before my trip uh, to Alaska. This is before I moved there. But I was just floored over that snow. And then when I was in Alaska, I used to enjoy it because I walk in the snow, you know. Not a very long ways, but I would walk and uh, this and that. Drive. Yeah, drive on the snow, but I have to get me a little, get, put a little gas, you know, get a little gas off of <laughs> yeah, I would Yeah, drive from a place called uh, Fairbanks 
uh, through the North Pole on up to a place called Allison. Yeah, I would, it's Air Force Base. I would drive up that way. Then sometimes I would go on out to another place and uh, in the yard of it, they sold homemade ice cream. I mean, many strange flavors, lemon, and, this, and I would drive down there in the summer. And in the front yard of the store, they had animals, wood, you know, carved, wood, animals carved out of wood. A big ant, you know, a big grasshopper, big mosquito. I was like, what is this? But it was just <laughs> fun to see all these different things that we didn't have here uh, in the lower 48. So, you know, it was just a blessing uh, to see that snow. Now, look, in North Carolina, you think it's snowing a little bit, bro, Anthony? Uh, maybe closer to, uh, like, uh, the western, northern western part, uh, like, uh, Mount Airy and Statesville, all that, like, you're getting ready to go into, uh, Tennessee, probably in okay. that area. Well, uh, yeah, Mount Airy and, uh, further west, uh, going into Tennessee and, uh, Statesville and all that. And closer to the Virginia board, I would say, because I was kind of looking at it uh, on the map. When I talked to my grandma uh, uh, the other day, I said, day before yesterday, I talked to her, and she said, you know, it was just cold. They ain't really had no snow. But although yeah. I was looking at the news, and they said it did snow, and it was snowing in uh, Tennessee. So it might have not got as far south, you know, like uh, New Bern, that area, you know, Raleigh and around that area, but further north, uh, yeah. I had snow. Yeah, because I was going to ask you about that in New Bern and ask you about Grandmama, too. Uh, was they snowing up that way? And, and and you answered my question, yeah. Because I'm sure yeah. it's cold, yeah, like she said. Because guess what? It is cold here, bro. Yeah, um, that, 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 that storm they got, whatever the heather. Yeah. Showing out. I've been mm-hmm. 30, it has been 30 degrees too many mornings for me. I, I don't like that many mornings. <laughs> I'm yeah. 30 degrees. Well, we're we trying to get 30 here. It's 22. Yesterday, when I came outside yesterday, it was uh, 12 degrees. And by the yes, time sir. I got to work, it went down to 1 degree. Yes, sir. I know them. I remember them days. I'm riding past the bank and see on the sign up that took zero. I say zero hmm. degrees. <laughs> Lord, what am I doing here? <laughs> yes, sir. I remember them days. Twelve, nine, <laughs> eight. I'm like, what is going on? I had never been in that kind of weather, but I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. I can't lie. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy walking through the snow. I enjoy seeing the snow. And I, there were days I would sit out. I had a little porch. And I would sit out on my little porch with hot chocolate and just look at the snow falling. Now, when the snow was falling, Brother Anthony, it was warm. But as soon as it stopped good from snowing, whoo, and don't let the wind, don't let it have a little wind. Oh, uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> I did not like all of that. When I moved to Alabama, it was cold. In the winter, I'm like, what kind of weather? Uh-uh, I, I need to be going home. Because I'm not used to this weather, but I learned to deal with that too. And you had it's real hilly, a lot of hills. I say I'm used to flat land in Florida. So in the winter I gotta walk up a hill and when I get almost to the top of that hill, that wind hit me right after that felt like it was cutting me into. I was like, Oh Lord I gotta keep trucking though to get to where I'm going. Yeah. 
Right. And so I, I learned to enjoy that too and learn to accept that and get used to that as well. Yeah. So I thank God for the different experiences, testimonies. Yeah. Is, is there anyone else? I don't think nobody else they enjoy me and Brother Anthony laughing over this weather thing. <laughs> Sister, I really good morning to you. God bless you. Good morning to you, Sister Dorothy Goodman. God bless you this morning. And again, good morning to you, Sister Rita. God bless you. Sister Maran, God bless you this morning. And all those that tune in through the archives and the podcast, God bless you and thank you so much. Yeah, we thank God for a word. And LaShawn, if you're listening this morning, God bless you and thank God for you. And uh, tell Miss Victoria to give me a call. Give her my number. She can call me. All right. God bless each of Brother Anthony. You had anything else you wanted to say this morning? No, I just I bless everybody. Y'all have a blessed and awesome day today. Amen. Amen. All right. I'm going to pray us out, and then we'll go to the last song of the morning. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for all that has been said and done. Thank you for your word today, because again today, oh God, your word is a lamp unto our feet, it's a light unto our path. And forever, O oh God, that word is settled in heaven. And Father, this morning we bring our country of America before you. And Lord, we ask that you would continue to have mercy. And Lord, we ask that you would fix our hearts and regulate our minds. Lord, do it long enough that we can come before you and repent and receive you and accept what you allow. And trust you, O God, in all our ways. In the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning. Father, I bring every call and every listener before you, those coming through the archives and the podcast as well. Lord, we ask that you would bless as only you can do. Open doors and make ways for these your people. Father, bless their families and bless their friends near and far. We speak that no calamity shall come nigh our dwellings. In the name of Jesus. And Father, we know that you're a supplier of our needs. Supply today everything that's needed unto these your people. In the name of Jesus. Bless those, God, that are going out and those that have to come in. Father, we ask that you would send a special hedge of protection around them today. Those that are going through really rough weather, Lord, we ask that you would Shield and protect, keep them from all hurt, harm, or danger. In the name of Jesus, bless those that are sick today. Touch and heal, O oh God. We know you're a healer, and there's nothing too hard for you to do. Bless those that are incarcerated, those that are in every branch of the military. Father, we ask that you would bless our administration of our military. And God, we ask that you would bless our brothers and sisters overseas everywhere. Bless widowers and bereaved families and intercessory prayer people everywhere. God bless your preachers everywhere this morning in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask that you would bless Israel and prosper Jerusalem in the name of Jesus. Bless our brothers and sisters everywhere overseas today. God, they stand in the need of you. And Lord, we ask that you would loose your hedge of protection around them. Send your protecting angels to shield and protect. Keep them from all hurt, harm, or danger. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. We thank you today. Again, continue to bless America and the leadership. 
We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent one from another in the name of Jesus. Go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you today. January the 18th, 2024, in Jesus' name. So at this time, I'm going to say bye-bye, have a blessed day, and we're going to our last song of the morning. God bless you.